0: The previous program was Economic Update with Professor Richard Wolf heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Stay tuned for Off the Hook, and it's all here at WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and WBAI.org online. Stay tuned.
1: Good evening, everyone. This is WBAI New York. Stay tuned for a special edition of Off the Hook as we remember our friend Jim. Good evening, to everybody. The program is off the hook. This is Manuel Belstein over here. Uh, we have Kyle. Yes, I'm here. Uh, in the Skype land, we have Rob P. Firefly. Good evening. We have Gila. Hello. And we have Alex. Hello. And uh, as you may have surmised from the um, uh, beginning of the show, um, this is a sad episode because uh, we're mourning the passing of our friend Jim who has been part of the show in one way or another since uh, early 90s. And uh, quite a history, quite a lot to um, to remember. And we're going to be uh, taking a, a bit of a trip down memory lane, playing some clips and, and uh, talking about Jim a little bit uh, this hour. And then at 8 o'clock, we'll be over on YouTube for overtime. Um, and it's a chance for you to call in, share your thoughts, your memories. And uh feelings um, I guess uh before we play some of the clips, let's open it up. anybody uh want to say anything? Jim passed away on thursday um he'd been he'd been ill for quite some time and as as many of you know, he suffered a stroke um, I guess fifteen years ago, and has been living with that but to be able to having stroke all that time, but still managing to be a part of our world even coming to the radio station and just never detaching and that, that was just so admirable <sighs> go ahead
2: uh, i think uh this is really part of who jim was as a as a person i think uh, i think a lot of his identity was was being part of the hacker culture and was was always being present and and I think it's a real testament to his fortitude and his indomitable spirit that he had persisted in engaging with us in the radio show and being part of the radio show and hanging out during the radio show, after the radio show, coming to dinner, doing all the things that he did while he could barely talk. I mean, you mentioned he had a, a stroke, a manual, but I think, you know, it's worth going into a bit, you know, what that stroke did to him.
1: Uh, one thing it didn't do, one thing it didn't do to him was um, um, affect his mind as far as um, um, enthusiasm and um, interest in things, you know, and just basically ways of um, of just being a part of it all, you know? I, I can't imagine the hell it must have been to be trapped in that world where you want to express yourself and you're not able to, uh, and, and, and so many people have that hell to deal with, so... Uh, it took a tremendous amount of strength for him to um, just to live his life, you know, it, with, with, with such such an incredible handicap. And um, of course, you know, there's there's the gym before the stroke that we all remember as well. And for those of you who don't, uh, who are new to the to the um, radio show, I'd like to share some of that with you, uh, Kyle. I think you're remembering something right now. I can. I, I can. Sorry.
3: I can hear his voice just um when you mentioned the radio show and I think so many people have have um thought of him and how prominent and fun and his distinctive laugh and just enthusiasm and, and joy in the discussion and the glee of just uh wherever the conversation goes.
1: Yeah. That 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 certain glee in and in in mixing it up a bit. You know in in saying the things that someone else wouldn't say, or just getting involved in an argument like we do here on on the show and enjoying the process and and we sure enjoyed his company. guess go ahead rob
4: yeah um i i I'm very fortunate to consider him one of the oldest friends I made in this community, and I think that's something that a lot of people are saying i'm I'm sure it's something that's true of any of us here on this program now, uh those who've been on the program. Um, over the years, uh, who are no longer, but he—he he was just. It seems like he was always there, like uh, like he came with uh, the venue, and he was so welcoming. He was one of the first people that welcomed me into the twenty six hundred meetings when I started going. Um, I've heard that from some other friends of ours as well, and it was just he was such a warm and encouraging presence, just to hang out with, just to be friends with, and uh, it was it was a pleasure and an honor, and uh, it was it was a joy. Well, to to spend time with him
1: let's let's go over some of that history um because um it was an interesting history and it started on uh april thirteenth nineteen i'm sorry um august thirteenth nineteen ninety four um when Jim presented uh, a very controversial talk at the very first hope conference in fact, after Robert Steele had given his keynote um, Jim was the first speaker. In fact, he wasn't known as Jim. He was known as Red Balaclava because he was trying to hide his identity. It was a very, very uh, poor job of hiding his identity because he he was about six foot five and and, and very thin. And uh, there weren't any other people like that at the conference. So when he wasn't presenting his talk, it was obvious who it was that had just presented that talk. (laughs) But that's just part of the wackiness that Jim, uh, that Jim personified. Um, he he gave um, a, a fascinating uh, discussion on on the uh, newly introduced MetroCard uh, to the New York City uh, Transit Authority, and um, at that conference and at the succeeding conference uh, in nineteen ninety seven, Beyond Hope, uh, he was the person um, that basically gave out the information and and talked about the things that. Uh, that others did not want to talk about. Certainly, others in the MTA did not want to have this uh, revealed. But the first time he came into the station actually was on November 7th, 1995. Um, no, I'm sorry, I, I have this wrong. <laughs> uh, May 17th, 1995. Um, and, uh, he's talking about a different, um, a, a different subject here, basically explaining this new concept known as web pages. And um, it's also the only time he gave his real name on the air. And <laughs> you could tell after he did it that he wasn't sure if he should give his real name, but he was just kind of put on the spot at that moment. Let's let's just go back to 1995 and hear that. We we have some web designers here, don't we? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Someone someone come up and tell us what webs are like. What what, what a web page is like. What can you do with a web page? Try to move the microphone as much as possible to make uh, all the noise you possibly can. <clears throat> All right, go
5: ahead. Okay, what is a web page? Who are you first? Uh, well, uh, my name is Jim Vicente. I'm uh, half-owner and principal of uh, Esoteric Resources Incorporated. We're a uh, computer training, documentation, and web page writing firm here in New York. And uh, we're also a couple of ex-hackers, but we won't talk about our sordid past. Um, what is a web page? A web page. The World Wide Web is a way of graphically accessing information on the Internet. Uh, If you have what's uh, known as a shell account, you have what looks like just a text-based method of looking at the information. It looks like those old teletypes you see in your typical old science fiction or World War III movie. Uh, Except now it's on a screen instead of on an endless scroll of paper. What the World Wide Web does is it puts up on your PC or Mac screen uh, whatever pictures uh, the person who wrote that page wants you to see. Uh, it looks a lot better. Uh, you're able to see whatever they want to put up. You can also, uh, if you have the right viewer, you can also see little movies, uh, download sound clips, access sound clips off their web page. Uh, there are literally hundreds of thousands of them out there, and uh, it's uh it's sort of like what the printing press was in 1500 it's a new technology that gives everyone the power to put up whatever information they want
1: and uh, again that was a clip from 1995 where jim and his uh, future wife pam came to the studio and um, um, explained some of uh technology from uh from an insider perspective as someone who was involved in the world wide web which was very exciting back then uh, let's fast forward a little bit to 2001, uh, September 25th, 2001, to be specific. Uh, that was, I believe, the first day we were allowed back on the air. It might have been the second, the second week after 9/11 that we were allowed back on, uh, but it was the first time that um, uh, that Jim was part of the discussion. And uh, this is basically a recounting of his experience uh, on 9/11. Hello. Jim, Jim is here too. Hello. How you doing? You were you were you had a close call on uh, on that Tuesday.
5: Uh yeah. I uh, I did something I seldom do, which is uh, uh, I went banking at a branch that was not where I normally go. I think I've been there well, over the last fifteen years, like five times. But I had to run a couple of errands in Lower Manhattan, and uh, I got off the uh, R train, uh, still the R at that time. At Cortland Street. And the funny thing is, I had heard a noise when we were going through Rector, and I couldn't place it. I figured it was a train on the other track starting. You know how that sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. And I get out of Cortland Street, just south of the Millennium Hotel. I can't remember what street it is. Uh, the uh, exit I got off was on the, uh, across the street. And it's across Church Street from the World Trade Center site. And I get up and uh, I look around. Instead of people walking around, people are pretty much standing still and they're looking up. So, of course, what do you do in that case? You look up. And there's a lot of smoke coming from the top of the North Tower, the World Trade Center. And essentially, I said, holy four-letter word. Stopped for a minute. Walked the block north to get a better view. Asked somebody what happened. Of course, you know, sirens are going off and uh, the. The Fire and police are streaming in, and somebody says, plane just hit. I said, what? Plane just hit the World Trade Center. I said, holy four-letter word once again. And uh, I remembered that Tom Clancy novel, uh, the title of which escapes me uh, from several years ago, which I read uh, the last few pages over someone's shoulder once. Never read the rest of the book. But uh, in the book, a crazed Japanese pilot uh, puts a, I believe, a seven forty-seven loaded with explosives uh, into the uh, Capitol building during the State of the Union uh, address. So I had read that, and I had, uh, I had been working uh, in the area eight years ago uh, for the ninety-three attack. Uh, I worked nights usually, and I had got off in that more that morning and. Uh, was still in the neighborhood when that happened, so I remembered that. I remembered that they said that they they wanted to take these buildings down as a sign, you know, against American imperialism and all that sort of stuff. So I put two and two together, and I just headed north. Uh, I figured uh, the trains are not going to be running, maybe not now, but definitely sooner or later I'm going to get on them. I get a few stops; they're going to stop. So I figured get over the bridge into Brooklyn because I figured, I figured there were going to be ten more planes, because I figured that what they were doing is they were going to try slicing the towers up, and it would take two, three, four planes per tower to do that.
1: You had this all figured out after one plane, that there were going to be multiple planes, or was this after the second plane? Uh,
5: this was after the first plane, because I, I, I remembered the Tom Clancy thing, and I looked up, and what you saw was a hole in the thing. You didn't mm-hmm. see like the thing teetering like, like when you take a chunk out of a tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And I figured, you know, they always wanted to to take the whole thing down. So I figured, well, one plane isn't going to work. They they weren't going, if they're going to try again, they were going to do it. So they weren't going to do it by half measures. I figured they were going to be a half dozen or more planes. And I figured.
1: Well, it was close. It was close to a half dozen planes. Mm -hmm. Overall, yeah. What I'm surprised about was that the subway system made it. So, I mean, you know, you know a lot about the subway system, obviously. What, <laughs> did, what any, any trains lost or any, any damage of... As
5: far, you know, as, as, as far as I know, no train uh, was lost. Um, station-wise, uh, Cortland and Point South on the NNR closed, mostly because of debris above it. Uh, Cortland on the 1 and 9 is... Uh, closed because of the towers pretty much falling into it. Uh points south on 1 and 9 are, are relatively intact,
1: but the subways were evacuated.
5: Uh yeah, apparently so. There's uh uh I didn't get on a subway way uh, that there. I hightailed it into Brooklyn and and got on a bus.
1: At what point did you uh find out the second tower was hit? Uh I was uh on
5: the bridge and uh saw it what happened yeah and uh that that speeded me up even more
1: we're listening to our late friend jim part of um off the hook for many many years who uh, passed away on uh thursday um we're going to move ahead to um something that's kind of inevitable when um you annoy uh, a big agency such as the mta as jim did with his hope talks and um Um, basically talking on the radio and various other places about the security issues, Uh, they indicted him. And this is how we found out on February 26, 2002. And uh, let's see, that's pretty much uh, all we have time for, except for one last thing from Jim, who has come in with a startling bit of news. And Jim, why don't you tell us quickly in the last uh, two minutes of the show, and again, apologies to all the listeners for not being able to take phone calls. We will do that next week and, uh, and uh, catch up, hopefully. Go ahead, Jim.
5: Well, uh, to quickly give you a little history, the second worst kept secret in hacking is the fact that uh, I, Jeopardy Jim, am also Red Balaclava. Uh, and some of you may remember me from uh, Hope in 1994 and Beyond Hope in 1997. Suffice it to say that I've been indicted and arrested And, uh, consequently, uh, I'm going to need some assistance from the hacking community. I'm currently uh, jobless. Uh, I need to find a criminal lawyer. And there are some other things that uh, people, even uh, not in the immediate New York area, could could do that would take very little effort on their part and be very useful. Um, Can you tell us what uh, what um, they're charging you with? They're charging me with uh, grand larceny in the fourth degree uh as I like to call it for MetroCard funnies. Uh essentially uh I've been a uh, railroad clerk slash station agent for the Transit Authority for some time. I spoke about MetroCards at the two hopes, wrote a couple of uh articles for uh twenty six hundred magazine. Uh some people uh have noticed that I uh have not given any concrete uh advice on how to hack MetroCards, just you know, a general overview. I was very careful to just uh, disseminate what I had picked up from the newspapers, nothing I had picked up in-house. Uh, but apparently they're gunning for me because of that. It took them a long time. They never did it directly, but uh, that's the cause. It was
1: 1994. <laughs> yeah. Did this the first time.
5: Hey, they have long memories.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: and among other things, I want uh, volunteers who are willing to go and listen to old uh, Off the Hooks and make since uh, roughly April or June, May, June of 94. And uh, I have a fairly distinctive voice. And if you can find anything I've said on MetroCards or anything I've said at all and, uh, and write it down, uh, this will be organized. I'll be at the, uh, the 2600 meeting this Friday in New York and eventually get a website mailing list going to coordinate this. My trial date is the 22nd of April.
1: Now That was from uh, 2002. Now, this case uh, followed Jim around for the next year or so. And there was this um, really interesting uh, episode where uh, Jim went to court. It turns out that um, he had missed uh, a court date and had not responded in a timely manner. So he was actually arrested and uh, spent two nights in the tombs. Here, um, we learn about this on the radio for the first time. And... Um, his, his remarkable sense of, uh, of humor in such a situation and just, um, uh, basically looking for those little things that people who are not hackers would not look for, talking about history, talking about, um, uh, technology, uh, while going through a hellish experience. Uh, this happened on, uh, or this aired on November 20th, 2002. So were you in in, in in jail last week while we were on the Yeah, there? We're wondering yeah. what happened to you. Yeah, wow,
5: uh, yeah, I couldn't make a phone call. I was, I really wanted, I really wanted to make a phone call, uh, collect <laughs> to the station. What Actually, uh, I I had a calling card. I memorized and I had a touchstone phone. I don't think you
1: can use calling cards from, from jail.
5: Uh, at, well, it, it depends on what sort of phone you are. Uh, in the original holding cell, yes, it's a regular. Uh, payphone. Uh-huh. And you can call, collect, you can use coins if you have them, and really? you can,
1: uh... Now, the tombs are down in line, Chinatown,
5: right? Uh, they're, they're right next to the criminal court building. They're, they're the address is actually 125 White Street. Uh-huh. And, uh it's connected via a bridge uh nicknamed the bridge of size after the uh the famous thing in venice in the uh, medieval times connecting the prison to the doge's palace the doge was the head of venice and all his political enemies would go before him and then he'd just send him over this bridge to the prison
1: you must have spent hours discussing the history and the aspirations no, inspirations the
5: no i i state to myself i yeah. figured that was uh, much safer
1: yeah, yeah. Well, that's horrible. Uh, so two nights that yeah. they kept you there. Uh, any anything happen that uh, worthy of note, other than being bored to death? Uh, a lot of bored to death. Uh, things things that a hacker mind would see inside the tombs that perhaps we might
5: appreciate. Yeah, I, I, I was I was trying to think of that. There's uh, there's not much. Uh, uh, I. Uh I I, I believe that uh, I have a greater appreciation for anybody who's been in prison or jail or worked their way out of prison or jail, Mm -hmm. because I was looking around just for the hacker mind, not intending to escape, I figured I had enough trouble just missing a court appearance, imagine the trouble I'd be in if I escaped, Uh, just looking to see how feasible that was, and that was pretty damn unlikely. So all these guys who take a spoon and chisel through over six months or two years or whatever, Mm -hmm. amazing
0: and this is
1: just for missing the court date oh yeah well it gets for showing up and saying that you missed the court date well
5: no 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 it was uh not getting back to them in the time that they wanted obviously on my lawyer's part uh-huh. uh and like so, i said it gets worse of course
1: okay do you want to talk about the worst part well, oh no. sure okay. let's only, talk about we the... have an hour
5: <laughs> oh okay well I'll make it really quick yeah my lawyer who is not happy with the fact that i i haven't paid him aside from the initial uh, amount is now taking himself off the case, so I'm one step above a public defender. Something called an 18B, which is a, a real attorney that donates or is forced to donate. I'm not sure how it works. Some time to uh, technically, I'm an indigent defendant, uh-huh. so uh, so I've uh, I've gone down in the quality of uh, of my counsel,
1: and I have. But well, uh, you can't have been too high in that regard anyway, being winding up in jail. You <laughs> know, they. they that, that's a good point. Yeah can't get much worse than that. Uh, it's that supposed is, to keep you out of jail.
5: Well, yeah, but on the other hand, uh, like I said, it's my responsibility if I had just read the damn piece of paper right, I would have made the appearance the day yes, before.
1: But, but you see, when you have a lawyer, they're supposed to also call you and tell you, remind you of things. I, I, I appeared in a deposition last week for the whole D, DECSS case yet again in front of the DVD Copy Control Association. And I was reminded constantly by my lawyer that uh, you have to be here at this time. You we know, have, take we have, this bus to get there. Et we cetera. have one key difference:
5: you're able to pay your lawyer.
1: Well, actually, that's not entirely true. But uh, we'll <laughs> we'll get into that uh, it's, 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 some other time. It's well, it's a uh, it's a special case. It's a special case. Oh, okay. And
5: um, whereas me, I'm just another peon in the system. So that should see. not
1: enter into it. Payment should never I, I be. Yeah, yeah, just like with medical care, payment should not. I mean. That's, A lot of things should be, but you and I know that they're different. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this is this is what I mean when I say that certain things should not be treated as commodities. You know you should be you should have the right to legal uh, competent legal uh, representation and to competent medical care. and uh, you know all that, but I'm just going to get off on this uh, you know my 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 vision of the world, which you probably disagree with, which is somewhat rather, rather ironic in the, in the uh, yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? And that again, from uh, November of t- uh, 2002, just an example of how Jim was somebody you could just talk about anything with and, and talk about anything with for hours and hours and hours. He made it all so interesting. His um, legal problems came to a culmination February 5th, 2003. Let's, let's listen to what, um, what the conclusion was. Um, has there been any developments with uh, various uh, oh. issues?
2: Oh yeah, we have. We have. Uh, as you know, Jim's sitting here. He's got some news.
1: Okay,
0: that's it, Jim.
5: Well, I've uh, joined joined the ranks of the the. Uh, 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 well, I'm now a felon. Let's put it that way.
0: Wow. Yeah. join the club.
5: Well, uh, I can't talk to you about it, unfortunately. Wait, you
1: can't, you can't, if you're a felon, you can't talk to the else anymore. Ah. Oh. All right, but Bernie. From now on, direct your comments away from Jim.
5: All right. <laughs> face the other way, I guess.
1: And Jim, I don't know if you can re- respond to things that Bernie says to us, or if we have to repeat everything for
5: you. Oh, I think I think I can probably respond to things. I don't think we can direct things at each other. That's the thing.
1: Okay. Hmm. Well, then you, you two are no longer speaking.
4: Uh, what what uh, other? And, and how long? How long on? Uh, how how long will uh, Jim and myself be on uh, non-speaking terms? I wonder. Uh, Jim, I wonder how long this uh, this will last.
5: <laughs> uh, well, already it's way too long for the show. Uh, well, I get sentenced uh, it, it, towards the end of March. Uh, I've, uh, I'm going to do five years probation, no jail time.
1: Wait, I, I have a question, though. Uh, are you not a felon until you're sentenced? I've already pled. Yeah, but... Um, oh, that's I, a good question. Does somebody know? I mean, are you considered a felon after the sentencing date or before then? You know not he's, a convicted felon.
0: He's, he's pre-felon. Well, he's felon, felon to be. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, uh, if the if the if, if, if you haven't been sentenced, then it, I don't think you're convicted yet.
5: Oh, okay. Then we can talk.
0: Whew.
5: Well, uh, we, better, since, uh, we better get five years worth in. Real since quick. I'm since I'm a felon to be, I, I I wonder if I can get a registry someplace like Bloomingdale's. Oh, that's pride to be. Oh.
1: Oh boy, uh, that was something. You, you know, he just injected humor into every situation. There were so many, so many instances where you know it, he could have been negative, and um, he wasn't. He wasn't. Is that what you guys remember uh, from Jim?
4: Absolutely. He was. He was always. No matter what he was talking about, he always had a, a sparkling sense of humor about it. Even when it was like how miserable things were for him personally, like in this case, and. Man, I, I, I had so many of those long conversations about anything with him. You could just talk to that guy forever. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Oh, and um, uh, Alex, I want to ask you, since you're a lawyer, <laughs> let's, let's settle the question that, that uh, Jim was raising in that last excerpt. Are you a felon before you're sentenced, or are you a felon at the point that you plead?
2: I, I have been thinking about that. I think that you'd be a felon at the point that you pleaded because you, you admitted to doing the crime, At that particular point you had to allocate and assuming your plea was knowing and voluntary you committed you you essentially just admitted to committing a felony which would therefore make you a felon so um i think you know almost you know tautologically in, in a sense it uh you would be a felon at the time of pleading However, I right. can also understand the argument that it, it would be a conviction type thing. Okay, it, we, We're going
1: to, we, we're going to, we're going to wind up uh, <laughs> yeah, getting, going on, getting on a sidetrack here. Like we always do. Uh, but, but this show I, is about Jim. So let's, let's, let's just. Yeah, I,
2: I do want to say something about Jim too, though, which is um, just listening to these recordings. It's so amazing to hear his voice again. It's really, really fantastic. I mean, you mentioned this at the be at the outset of the episode that, it was 15 years ago that he had a stroke and lost his voice. I was really looking forward to tonight to hearing Jim's voice, and I didn't, uh, I think I underestimated how good it would feel. Go ahead, Gila. Yes, I didn't know Jim before. I didn't know any of you until six years ago. So I never heard Jim hold force like this. So having the opportunity to do so tonight is just so amazing. And if I could say, I'm also enjoying watching all of you listening and watching all of you remembering our friend. And this is this
1: this evening is moving on so many levels. Well, put on your seatbelt because we're about to delve into Jim's conservative leanings, uh, which was no <laughs> no end of entertainment for for many of the listeners, uh, and of course um, uh, fodder for all kinds of spirited discussions. Um, here, uh, it's April 9th, 2003. The second Gulf War had just begun. It was a magical period. <laughs> we, we had some really rousing discussions with differing opinions. And here, Jim explains, uh, well, he defends his position, explains why he takes the views he does. Take a listen.
5: Oh, wait a moment. Wait a moment. As, as an ex-chemistry major, I'll tell you just one thing, which is that you can easily make uh nerve agents out of pesticides. Okay. But what, the Iraqis
1: aren't supposed to have pesticides now? No, no, but if they
5: have an outlandish amount of the pesticides and no pesticide exporting industry then you get suspicious okay I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think it's a bit of a
1: reach, I mean, you no, know. No,
5: it's we... not a bit of a reach. If you want to hide it you, you build up your own pesticide industry. Oh, but, but this G- wasn't a farm G- G- It wasn't
1: an agricultural area hey, where
5: they tend to use pesticides. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm willing to say it's a maybe. But the point is
0: I, I look at it this way. I'm a black man who lives in Holland and I have seen police officers do what they had what they wanted to do to get what they needed to get which was numbers you know, and um, I and on a larger scale, United States Marines and the people—not the Marines, the, the grunts, so to speak—but they have people who are over them who give them orders to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and they're going to follow just like the police officers in the street. Now you're going to find, you know, like that article you 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 uh, you read about the pet you know the they found pesticides and even that gentleman who is as intelligent as he is you know, because uh, I don't think he'd be around you if he wasn't, you know, for him to say, well, we can get some pesticides. A, and he, he prefaces it with that he was a chemistry major and that you can make pesticides. But, you know, you found this on a farm, you know, in, a, in an agricultural area. And even he is buying into the propaganda. So that I means his. Well, well,
5: well, 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 that's or, twice whoa. that's twice you've, you've accused know. me of, of, of justifying the administration's position. I want to say the following You okay? got 20 seconds. As a hacker, my idea is to be a devil 's advocate okay This is a liberal oriented radio station and show, therefore, I tend to be conservative okay i 'm just offering a the possibility that if they 're hiding it that 's the way to do it okay
1: and that 's jim that who that is who jim was uh, someone who um, who challenged the prevailing opinion, no matter where he was let 's uh, fast forward over to November tenth two thousand and four our post-election day show where things didn't go so well for the uh democrats and jim was quite happy about that yeah jim you must be very happy right Your your guy won i'm i'm fairly pleased yes. uh-huh. so what, what what do we have to look at everybody let's turn down all the microphones <laughs> and we'll just let jim go um Go forth for a minute and tell us what's ahead for the next four years. Go ahead.
5: Well, I, I, I would be remiss if I don't say that uh, uh, there are still many problems. We, we do have one clear improvement in the resignation of John Ashcroft, but he's being replaced by uh, a man that I, I have problems with, despite my right-wing leanings. Uh it's not so much uh, what, what we have to look forward uh, uh, to, it's it's what we've avoided, which uh, I think was uh, the way I voted, and uh, we still have to be on guard uh, for civil liberties, I, I agree with that.
1: You still have 40 seconds. Eh? <laughs> I, well, okay. well, what more do you oh, want right. to say? Oh, no, I just wanted to give you the opportunity, I, look, I'm that's opinion. going to be the last opportunity for no, no. quite All some right. time, so, so, without so, people let like, you know, 40 seconds, jumping right. on everything you say. Well, Unlike almost everybody
5: else in this room and, and a large number of people in the United States on all sides of the spectrum, I believe that, that it's not so much uh, the president that controls this country. Okay, uh, It's, 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 the, it's the, the thousand invisible hands of, of commerce and markets and people interacting among themselves that, that create the direction the country goes in. Uh, the president can channel it, but he doesn't lead, direct, or drive it so much okay so if you don't like what you see there are many things you can do on a grassroots level to to change or if you like to put it this way undercut uh what's going on so don't blame it all on the president it when it might be your own inaction but apparently voting isn't one of those things because that sure didn't work did it this is a democracy you've got to take the losses with the wins like i did with
1: bill clinton it's not actually a democracy it's a republic but uh, yeah,
5: that's true and I've, i'm usually the one that points that out
1: yeah okay well right back at you then <laughs> <laughs> oh what fun we had uh it's 2004 uh skipping ahead to april 12th, 2006 example of uh Jim's interaction with the audience, who, um, certainly took issue with some of his political positions. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, um, earlier, uh, Jim used the word disingenuous. There disingenuous, a- yes, I know. The-
5: Okay. I realized and, that as soon as I said it. I decided not to go so back. Why
0: didn't you correct yourself? Yeah,
5: well, Jim. Let's talk about this.
1: Well. <laughs> you you used the word improperly. I'm, you I'm sorry. It improperly. I,
5: I felt I felt a great wave of shame wash over me, well, and I decided to just hope that no one knew no, knew the
1: word. No, no, normally, you, sir, this kind of thing is not tolerated here. Yeah, <laughs> of people are listening. Yeah, millions of people are listening. And the other, and the other gentleman used a, uh, a redundancy more crazier. Who Who is that? Did I say that? You're, no, the other fellow. I okay. don't know his
4: name. I apologize if I said that. You said that? I don't know. It's
1: either me or Bernie. Well, we're going to go through the transcript after the show. This okay. is some very serious More allegations here. are crazy. Yeah. Just All right. Okay. Well, let's be less sillier than take another phone call. Uh, good evening. You're on the air. Yes. Um, also, I'd like to mention... You sound very similar to another caller, and that's just that's just too much for me to handle. Good evening. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes.
5: Hey, uh, Margaret, yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with R Crazy here, by the way. I think that's perfectly fine.
1: Well, let's let's not start a big fight about this. <laughs> I,
5: I, I don't know why that thing was even brought up. Anyway, the um the thing I wanted to ask you was
1: And good evening, you're on the air.
0: Uh yeah. How's your Republican
1: guy there? He's he looks healthy. <laughs> He's he down with fine.
0: John Bolton and uh, the new Pope, uh, the Grand Inquisitor, and and
5: uh, well, I'm I'm Greek Orthodox. I think that the Catholics are just way too liberal You're anyway. Greek Orthodox? Yeah, I didn't know that. My grandfather was a priest. Wow, you, yeah. you've kept that
1: quiet. Huh, it's not
5: something that you can usually use to pick up girls. I mean, hey, yeah. my grandfather was a priest. Yeah, Republican.
1: All right. Well, he seems to be fascinated with the fact that you're a Republican, but we're going to move on to something a little bit more uh, controversial than that. Good evening. You're on the air. You know, something else that um, uh, Jim was uh, known for was um, uh, his talent in poker. And, uh, you know, occasionally he would just um, uh, be a part of these tournaments, even even after he had a stroke. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later on. But here, uh, in this excerpt, July 12, 2006, um, he explains the difference between poker and gambling. And, of course, as always, we have a lively debate. Anyone ever used uh, an online gambling site in this room? You have, Jim? Yeah. What's it like? You just basically click on something and all your money goes away? Well, okay, I don't gamble. I play poker, which is a little different. Wait uh, a Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you play poker, that's not
5: gambling? When you 're gambling, all outcomes other than the one that's desirous are more likely when you play poker ideally, if definitely when you have a cinch hand, the outcome that you're betting on is the most likely, or at least you believe it to be the most
1: likely. I like the way he talks when I'm talking about things like this that's that's okay I'm going to accept that so okay continue uh yeah it's it's, it's, it's they're very simple
5: you, in most cases you download software, but not all some are java based and uh It resembles a a cartoon version uh, in less dimensions of of a a casino or a poker game or or whatever. You you put money in through PayPal or MasterCard or whatever, and uh, then that's your account. And you say, how much would you like to risk Mm -hmm. at this poker game at this table at this time? But there's nothing to stop you from basically losing everything you own. Uh, in this m- everything that you have on site, everything <laughs> that you've that you've put in, you have a bankroll, so to speak. Right, and you can keep putting things into that bankroll. Correct. You can also, uh, in the stock market, uh, buy stocks that go down in value, and then after you've lost your money, put more money into your brokerage account and buy another stock that goes down in
1: value. Yes, you can lose money. But in you many don't do ways. it instantly. It takes time for the stock market to crash and for you to lose your investment. This, you can just click a button, and all of a sudden, there's 20 grand gone. Wonderful. You can go to Atlantic City. It takes three hours more for all this Not if you're and- six years old. You can't. And if if you're years old how are you going to
5: get to your credit card? If you're, is, how, do you, how do you have a credit card if you're six? You don't. Your parents do. What are your parents doing do Gling, do you have your credit card? They're, they're, look, credit
1: cards left this, on the, on the kitchen is, counter one day, this and look is what a, happens. This
5: is a case. Well, the, the problem is not that it's wrong in that case from Goodlat's point of view. The problem is it's
1: wrong because the kid should not have a credit card. Oh, I agree with that. But it just seems like uh, you know, if you're going to gamble, you should go through something to gamble, like by traveling someplace or you know doing something. Well, this discriminates in against the handicap then. No, it doesn't. Handicapped people can 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 go places. Well, if you're in an iron lung, not that I think anybody is. In an still iron is. lung, are you really going to be gambling? I mean, I think you have more pressing concerns. Well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> well, I think you're th- mind off it.
2: If you're, if you're a gambling addict and, and, it's, and it's causing, and gambling is causing you problems, I don't think traveling somewhere is going to be very much of a, a deterrent. I
1: exactly.
5: Think.
1: Oh, I miss those conversations, <laughs> those debates. All right. Sadly, uh, this next clip is our last clip of Jim before his stroke. Um, this uh, show aired on May 9th, 2007. And um, it's a particularly interesting because he reveals how he found out about Off the Hook. Uh, You can do it on the Internet, but it's not the same thing when you have a 50,000-watt radio station in the middle of New York City and you're able to get uh, people from all over just tuning in in their cars. I mean, that's the coolest thing in the world is getting somebody who has no real interest in the hacker world getting turned on to it because they happened to turn on the radio at the wrong time and get us.
5: Yeah, you know, a lot of people are dialing the radio dial looking for something interesting and find us. In fact, I'm one of those people who accidentally
1: came upon this station wait a minute wait wait you mean you're here now because you accidentally turned us us in i'm here now for a lot of reasons but that's one of them so i mean basically we would never have met you jim if if we hadn't been doing a radio show and you hadn't Turned on the radio. Exactly.
5: Okay. The show The show that I first heard mm-hmm. was, ironically, the one before the first hope, where you were saying, is anybody from the MTA listening and knows anything about MetroCard?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, we, we can try to find that moment. I think we've played that. Have we played that? We've played that. Okay. Well, then we can find the moment where we played it uh, again. That would be <laughs> <Okay>. fascinating. <laughs> that, that must have been a pretty historic moment right there. Three calls on the line, 212-209-2950. Which, by the way, is still the number that you can call to pledge support to this amazing radio station here at WBAI. Um, Our last clip of Jim is when he returned to the radio station um, just over a year after his debilitating stroke, um, only uh, a couple of months after the excerpt you just heard. Um, This is November 12th, 2008. And good evening to everybody. The program is off the hook. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you on this Wednesday evening. Joined this week by Mike. Hi. Down Philadelphia, Bernie S.
4: Greetings from Philadelphia.
1: Looks like Voltaire over there. Okay. On the side of the room we have not Kevin. Hello. Rob T. Firefly. Good evening. And special surprise joining us on the uh, middle part of the room. Jim, welcome back. How are you doing? Oh. Well, well, better, much yeah. better. You came here on your own, and well, and it's not, uh, no, no need for all points bulletin. He, he's in a better place now. He's uh, in, a, in a place where he can actually come and go, thanks to uh, uh, the tireless efforts of, of many people. Bernie, uh, you certainly not the least, and advice from some of our listeners. Uh, Bernie, you want to tell us something about uh, uh, Jim's um, position now, where he can go and stay and things? Oh, I understand
5: uh, Jim was successfully moved this morning from uh, the nursing home in uh, in Brooklyn to a uh, an adult uh, facility in uh, Brooklyn Queens, and uh, Jim, I hear uh, that there's a there's a computer there with uh, that's online. You can uh, I don't
1: know, but I don't know.
5: Yeah, that's what I've been told. And uh, I hear there's a good library there, and uh, and the most important thing is you have the freedom to come and go. So.
1: And um, the first thing he did was was come here, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so he's got his judgment back. That's that's certainly uh, uh, an important thing. No, congratulations! No congratulations! Yes, Thank welcome you. back. So so good to see you again, and uh, you're looking better than ever. Thank you. <sighs> I'm gonna miss him.
3: Yeah, I I just um, basically met him a couple of years after that, um, and he was in the studio many many times, uh, sitting next to me joining in on the conversation sometimes uh he'd even nod off a little bit and I'd, I'd i'd give him a little poke or he'd he'd look over when we were talking and and uh, get back in the conversation and just you know listen i think he he just wanted to be there with us listening and um it's weird for me be, because all of my previous radio listening to this show um was stuff that included him and so I knew him, mm-hmm. like, as well as anybody who's listened to the archives of OTH, and and um, it was just really um, kind of cool over the years to help him. He tried so hard. That same joy and enthusiasm... Um, Uh, when he had something to say or he was writing something down, he would use a pen and paper a lot. Um, He would be emphatic about creating understanding. And I love that. Like that's my favorite thing about communications and storytelling and my own never ending uh, diatribes that I won't ever shut up sometimes because it's, it's just, I want to understand why I love human understanding when people connect, especially when we're traveling, when, um we're meeting other hackers and you know speaking about common things and so forth but he he would be so emphatic and he would even laugh and have that sense of humor at his own Difficulty trying mm-hmm. to get you to understand exactly what he was talking about. So as you'd be learning about something he's telling you, he'd be, he'd say, right. Or you'd say like, yeah. And like, exactly. I, well, you'd just, feel
1: stupid for not getting it. Yeah. You know, he, and, and he would, he would, he would write things out and there'd be like a letter missing and you were supposed to fill in the letters. Is, is that, that's Jeopardy, right? Is that how Jeopardy works? And, <laughs> and, and you might have heard him being referred to as Jeopardy Jim or referring to himself that way. That's because he appeared on the TV show Jeopardy. Uh, Rob, I believe you said it was episode one three three seven, which spells "leet," which is yes. pretty pretty amazing. If anybody can get yes. that, that that copy of the show, we'd love to 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 have yeah. it somewhere. I think he was on yeah, two was episodes. On, I never knew that.
4: Two, yeah, he was on two episodes. The second episode was Jeopardy episode one three three seven, which that's, is amazing. That's crazy. Um, I'll forever be pondering the cosmic implications of that uh, coincidence. Wow.
1: Yes, Alex, go ahead.
2: And, and isn't it isn't it true, Rob, that he lost that episode by a mere dollar.
4: By one dollar, yes. Uh, it was uh, it was um, strategic uh, betting on Final Jeopardy on the part of uh, the guy who won. And uh, you know, Jim wouldn't talk about this a lot, but uh, you know, he'd kind of roll his eyes and go, "Yeah, whatever," and shrug. But... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Both before and after the stroke, that that's how he would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he would remember those.
3: He would definitely have that that kind of groan or <laughs> reaction
1: sometimes. Go ahead, Alex.
2: Yeah, you know, just one thing I want to mention that really strikes me and, and, and hit me in the, uh, you know, I, I think right in the heart was that, that just that massively stark contrast between Jim prior to the stroke and Jim after the stroke and that quote, uh, that you played of, of Jim returning a question with, uh, you know, a couple syllables of a response. I mean, that, that's what I remember of him for so many years now. Uh, It was such a treat to hear his voice, and I forgot how goddamn smart he was. I really did, because, and and it makes me think it must have been just so absolutely torturous for him to just only be able to blurt out a couple of syllables for this long, Mm -hmm. knowing full well what was going on in his head. It was absolutely incredible. I I just want to share one completely unrelated anecdote as well, was uh, Jim had uh, come back from one of his jaunts. Uh, it, it, at some casino somewhere, I think it was Atlantic City, and I think it was when the station was. I remember us being down at 120 Wall Street, so it was it was during a show. It must have been after one of the shows, probably back in like the early 2000s. I, I was asking him about, you know, how did it go and what did he play. And he was telling me he was playing. He played blackjack, I think it was, not poker, all night long for you know like 12 hours or something like that. Uh, and so. Uh, I said to him, you know, well, how did you, how did you make out? And I never forgot this because I, and I always think of it whenever I go into any casino is that he said it was the the hardest you could work for minimum wage, but you know, you won. And I thought that was just so interesting that he, he had this persistence and he was down there and he was making money by playing and winning and using his brain against the house. And even though, you know, he wasn't betting big and, Um, he he was still there and it was, he looked at it as almost like a job to me and that I could see how that would be a really tough way to make, you know, five or six bucks an hour, probably what it was back then.
1: And this conversation, this was pre-stroke or post-stroke?
2: No, this was pre stroke.
1: Because after he had a stroke, uh, one time he, he, he just ventured out on his own and scared the crap out of everybody because he just disappeared. Nobody knew where he was. He went down to Atlantic City and he was gambling. And he, he, he still had that. And, uh, he just took it. He just went down there and did that for himself and just. Came back casually you know, while the rest of us were putting up signs on on, 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 uh, on lampposts and things like that. Now, um, we only have a couple of minutes left, but we are going to continue on YouTube on channel 2600 or click on the link that's on the 2600.com web page. We'd like to hear uh, your thoughts, your memories you and call us and we'll talk more about um, about Jim. We have a couple more clips. But, Rob, um, you, you wrote a particularly eloquent piece um, about Jim. Uh, can you give the address so people can read this?
4: Yeah, it's right on the front page of the uh site for our local 2600 meetings which is nyc2600.net. And there's some great pictures of him from over the years and uh just a lot of a lot of thoughts and a lot of links. There's a link to a New York Times front page story that he was in. Um it, it it's uh it was difficult to write but uh fulfilling. It's
3: beautiful. Yeah. It is it. utterly a beautiful remembrance.
1: It absolutely is. And uh, yeah. if if you have pictures of Jim you want to share with us, please email us, OTH at 2600.com, or if you have memories that you'd like to share as well.
4: And also, if you'd like to come to the 2600 meeting, which is this Friday um, at uh, Citigroup Center on 53rd in Lexington, um, all the info is right there too: at NYC2600.net. A lot of us are going to be sharing our remembrances of Jim.
1: Yeah, the meetings, he went to so many of those with such a part of them, and uh it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. I mean, you know, since the stroke, obviously it was different, but he was still there. He was still around. He was still a presence. And, uh, even at this most recent hope, um, he was being thought of. He was supposed to uh, participate in a talk. I don't believe he was able to, but there was, um, a, a talk with, uh, his, his, um, his, his well-being definitely was the theme. Uh, Alex, closing thoughts.
2: Yeah. I just. <laughs> I, and I think this is maybe a good way to to close out with Jim, but <clears throat> if I recall correctly as a, as a member of the speaker selection committee for hope that the proposed title for Jim's talk at hope was he's not dead yet, Jim, right? Or something like that, which, which I think you might've even mixed as being slightly inappropriate or something, but here he was, I think, you know, knowing full well that he was in decline and towards the end of his days, and it just goes right back to what you said earlier about Jim Emanuel, which is that he found a way to, to make light of it and to, uh, and, and to bring the humor out into the situation. So
1: pretty, pretty. He, uh, he never lost who he was, that's for damn sure. And we can all learn incredible lessons from him. All the recordings that we uh, played are available online, 2600.com slash off the hook. It's all there, so much more than what we played tonight. Rest in peace, Jim. We're taking next week off. We'll see you on YouTube at 8 o'clock. Good night, everyone.
6: He was a friend of mine. He was a friend of mine. Every time I think about him now, I just can't keep from crying Cause he was a friend of mine